Hi there, and welcome to Isometric, a gaming podcast from a different perspective. I'm Steve Lubitz, and I am here, as always, with head of development at Giant Space Capriano. How are you doing, Brie? Did, did you say something? All I can hear is ringing. I, I'm just happy to be here. I can't. I think I've lost an eardrum. I've lost an eardrum. Hello? Hello? Oh, this is going to be a great podcast if we can't hear each other now. Hello. So I guess Brie, you're 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 uh, you're excited for the show. I guess I'm, I'm excited. You know, I've been uh, playing the field with other podcasts, and it was weird. It was weird. It was weird. It just wasn't the same as you guys. So mm. I just want to let you know. <laughs> so, so does this make us sister wise with your other podcast now? Is that what that ha- what that I, is? I think of I think of us as like uh, yeah, I think of us as like uh, partner podcasts. I guess like especially with Georgia over there. You know, like Georgia, you have an open invitation to crash the rocket party (laughs) you're really good yeah Bree, don't do that don't do that because i will like you won't even invite me and suddenly you'll hear see me ringing in she'll she'll, she's gonna take that literally too she's gonna come through the ceiling right right (laughs) yeah Georgia, no. See, Georgia, what I want from now on is anything that happens in my life, I want Georgia Dow to be there. Like, if I'm talking to law enforcement, I want Georgia Dow to be there. If I'm speaking at GDC, I want Georgia on that panel. Yeah, I did a documentary today, and so Georgia wasn't in the shot with me. It just wasn't good because of that. So I think that we would be like those two people that would just always get in trouble when we were together, which would be probably the best and the worst of us. I, I I totally hear you. I'm there. Yeah, yeah it's Always. like the double mint gum commercial. Like right. we're the twins. We are the twins. That's it. We yeah. should actually just sew ourselves together and then walk around. I'd be like your short midget other person. <laughs> could you put like one of those cubbies on your motorcycle, Bree, that she could yeah. ride in? What oh, a sidecar. Yeah, yeah. sidecar. Yeah. I called yeah. it a cubby because I don't know anything about motorcycles. <laughs> seem like what it might be called it's even red my motorcycle so it would match georgia's hair Ooh. right like <laughs> i'd have a little tiny panda helmet i, I was envisioning <gasps> the, t- the panda helmet that but would that, be but, really but great. that adds the ears add wind resistance is the problem <laughs> right they would be waving in the wind this has to happen <laughs> this would be hilarious uh we also have assistant games editor at pace magazine maddie myers how you doing maddie I'm doing pretty good. I'm I'm really glad to be back. I missed you guys. Aw. Well, oh, we I missed you miss too. You guys. I got to see Bree over the weekend though, but we'll, yeah, we yeah, can yeah. talk about that. We hung yeah. out. There was swearing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that usually happens. Just not when we're recording, that's all. So, Maddie, I did that, you know, the the supplementary for GTFO today. Am I correct to understand she went and hung out with you that after that? That is correct. I'm yeah. pretty sure that the should we say what that is yeah <laughs> so um shannon son higginson is made has already made a documentary about women in the games industry and gamers women consumers uh called gtfo and i was already in it the first time around and so were you brianna but it was mm-hmm. before this podcast it, it was filmed a year ago uh huh. i had short hair back then <laughs> and um she's filming a little epilogue now about gamergate and she interviewed courtney stanton and she interviewed you brie and then also in the same exact day today she interviewed me and i just said goodbye to her and then now i'm doing this had a very wow full it's a depressing movie but it, it is uh good there are a lot of really cool people in it well that's why it's i backed it more mostly direct- me no, i mean i backed i backed that before i even knew you so isn't that weird yeah that's weird, right? It's very, it's odd. It's like our lives are all interconnected. 
I know. Yeah. Butterfly effect. That's, that's so exciting to me, though. That just sounds like so much fun. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's fun because we all came together to do isometric, but like, you know, there are other sad reasons why one might meet other women in the games industry. <laughs> That's but, true. But we That's all true. came together for a cool reason, in my opinion. The subject matter of the documentary is not necessarily the, the happiest, unfortunately. Yeah. But anyway, you never anyway. introduced Georgia. No, so. I didn't. So we have psychotherapist by day and senior editor from imore.com by night and host of the Vector podcast, Georgia Dow. How are you doing, Georgia? Hello, hello. I have I have ideas, guys. Okay. <laughs> what? Uh-oh. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, okay, since we're doing, like, we're doing Pax East, right, all we together. Are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also invited on a panel to do um, cross-cultural conflict resolution with uh, Tracy Hurley and Christine Chung, which should be really cool and actually really serious. <laughs> so uh, maybe they shouldn't have invited me. But uh, Friday at 11.30. So I was thinking, though, that it would be really cute. I got a panda hat, a fuzzy, cute little panda hat. And I was thinking that one of us should wear it. Gee, I wonder which one of that that would be. That, wait, that would wait, be but Georgia. I thought let's do this in a fair way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, let's pick the one who who's <laughs> one of these kids is not like the other. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. well I don't I don't know that that's true. There's really nothing about you, Steve, that's different from the three of us. No, that I can definitely think not. Off the top of my head. Nothing. Well, I thought that if we put it to a vote, it would be unfairly biased against Steve. Mm-hmm. Everything that's put to a vote is unbi- unfairly biased against Steve. Yeah, yeah, I feel like even if we put this to Twitter, it might be unfairly biased it, against Steve. It would, Steve. it would. So I thought we would do this through a game instead. Okay. Cool. So whoever loses the game has to wear the has hat? Has to wear the panda hat. Okay. That seems something. Almost, I, I would wear the hat anyway, but yeah, that, okay. Well, that's, that's the great part is that if probably none of us the, would there's mind There's not a bad punishment. It's not no. a right. bad punishment. Right. I mean, it's, it's not It's hat. not like, you know, an obscene hat. It's a fuzzy panda hat. Well, to be fair, we don't know what the hat looks like. <laughs> <laughs> we are agreeing to this sight unseen. <laughs> I'll, I'll, send a, I'll send a picture of my, my little, uh, the panda hat after. After. So the game would be gem yes, trivia. no, or maybe. <laughs> gem trivia. Great. Gem yeah. Trivia. yeah, why don't we why don't we just make it gem and sailor moon trivia? Why don't we just do that? That seems right. fair. And then the loser has to wear the Well, okay, it would be yes, no, or maybe. And the way that the go- game goes is this is that during the podcast, whoever most often says yes, no, or maybe loses and has to wear the panda hat so we have to go through the entire pot pa- like podcast i was gonna say the entire no panda no no, no. Hat. we can make our fans do that right is and, this something we can outsource and then and then i'm sure that someone maybe it'll be maybe it'll be charles tan will actually go through the podcast and just tally I, i'm sure that we have some some obsessive listeners who will who will tell that for us is it however many times we say all of the above words either or so if you say Any yes, that's a point against you. If you say no, that's a point against you. If you say oh, maybe, that's one so point I'm, against you. I'm not meant to say any of those words. No, you shouldn't say any of those words. And it's going from oh. this point forward, correct? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We because if not, I've lost the right. game already. Yeah. I right. am excited to wear the panda hat. <laughs> <laughs> Because I am going to immediately forget about this as soon as we introduce the but first topic. That's the topic. perfect part, exactly. That you guys will forget. And, and okay, but don't on. bring it up in the middle of the show. Even if somebody remembers it, okay? Nobody bring it up. We all just act like we don't remember it's happening because that's like <laughs> biasing it. You know what I mean? 
Well, we can call each other out on it because you're going to, like, there's no way it, once someone says it that no, well, we're, anyways. What, oh, the yeah, chat, just the enjoy. The chat room is Do keeping us honest, Georgia. Just enjoy. <laughs> there we okay. go. I just have to remember to bring the panda hat. <laughs> if, yeah, if you forget after all this, that after this five minutes of exposition about this game, Georgia. <laughs> it's okay. I it's It was not, it'll be nothing like me, like, going on uh, when I was on Rocket. <laughs> And just like blasting gem music throughout the podcast. Well, well I would talk expect about nothing that left. Then you were on yeah. Rocket. Let's talk about Rocket. I was on Rocket. So amazing. yeah. So so Bree, do you want to talk about Rocket since this is your new your new jam that yeah, yeah. that you're cheating so, on us with? Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I really I did form it in in reaction to this show, and and the reason is, guys, I love doing a show with you. I love doing a show with you. But the problem with this show is there are four of us, and all of us love to talk so much, and we so easily fill up an episode to the point where every single episode, like, it wants to go longer and longer, that it's really hard to get a guest on this podcast because, you know, it all it always feels like a, a full room. Do you guys know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted what I wanted to have was an opportunity, a, a space where I could invite guests in. Does that make sense? Like to to basically, you know, like not really Georgia this week because I already get to talk to her, but like uh, my friend Sam Maggs, who is the weekend editor over at the Mary Sue. I love Sam. And like, you know, I want to like hang out with her professionally and give her an opportunity to you know, talk about herself to, you know, our audience uh, just to get it out there. So what I did was um, a lot of isometric listeners listen to this show bec- and <laughs> despite the fact that they don't like video games because they like like our banter. So I I wanted to form like a show that was more um, about general tech topics. So it's tech, comic books, vid, um, video games somewhat, you know, movies, TVs, books, pretty much anything in geek culture. So it's called Rocket. Uh, it's over on the Relay Network with Mike Hurley, uh, which I'm very, very excited about. And I'm co-hosting it with, believe it or not, Christina Warren. Like, I can't believe it. Like, she tweets me one day and she's like, I would like to do a show with you, Brie. And I'm like, really? Really? <laughs> so, like, uh, we're doing a show together, and my friend uh, Simone over at Pixel Kin, she's also on the show with us. Like, she is amazing. Simone's and, awesome. Um, yeah, she's really cool. So, I don't know, Georgia, like, you were on our show. Would you describe it as high energy? Like, how would you describe it? Oh, it was amazing. Like, Christina, she's just brilliant. She's at, like, her her knowledge base is, is formidable. Amazing. Amazing. And, and Simone was just just a doll like really i love even just listening to her voice it was melodic and and sweet and smart and and brie brie i can't i can't even i can't even put to words brie brie doesn't fit in words (laughs) brie is unwordable wow so i don't know if that's good or bad (laughs) it's it's exceptionally good it's exceptionally Exceptionally good i think you're i think you're funny and brilliant and a great marketer brie and and uh, you know, you you just crack me up in a way that uh, like is is just one of those rare things. I think I'm unpredictable. I think that's what I think. Okay. That that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good adjective. I think I'm so. Unpredictable. <laughs> that's not even close to. That's so underwhelming. Well, there's to, a large range. I mean, you don't know if I'm going to get very serious in a podcast and start talking about you know the the death and rape threats that are upending my life, or if I'm just going to just scream when you start talking to me. Your you chaotic good is what right. you are, Brie. Pretty much. So anyway, or just that, chaotic. Just chaotic yeah. is fine. So that's my show, Rocket. I hope you guys will check it out. Thanks for letting me plug it. I was <laughs> worried I was going to have to talk around it today on the show. No, what? no. Why no. would we? 
we have to help you take over the media universe because <laughs> that's the goal here, right? Right, right, right. Let we me just say something. Like, I am so, like, privileged to be on the show with the three of you, and I am thrilled to be able to, like, scream to the heavens all the cool stuff that you guys are doing. Seriously. So Thank you. Uh, there's, like, no chance that I wouldn't plug at it. I, yeah. love, I love talking about all the cool stuff that you guys do because there's so much of it, and I'm really proud to know you guys. And, you know, what else would I tweet about? Sad stuff? No way. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Ever. I would Ever. prefer not to thank you very much. So I, I always like it when I can tweet about cool projects and listen to stuff. And, and speaking of, of cool stuff that you guys are doing, we need to talk about your new web video series. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is awesome. So, so Maddie is doing a... It's like a sketch comedy web series. And uh, it's going to be hosted at Destructoid. And Jonathan Holmes, who's the editor-in-chief of Destructoid... And I had this idea a really long time ago before he even was the editor-in-chief of Destructoid. And now he is and he gets to call the shots. So we get to make this terrible show idea that we had way before <laughs> Isometric started. Um, so if anybody remembers old school Jonathan Holmes' career in 2010, he used to do a web series called Sundays with Sagat where he cosplayed as Sagat from Street Fighter and did a one-man comedy web series that was sort of a cult hit that people have remembered ever since. And he was like, I would really like to bring this back, but I feel like a web series would be a lot better with a second person. And for some reason, he thought of me and he thought that I would be good as a cosplaying video game character also. So I play Samus and the premise of the show is that Samus and Sagat are roommates. And of course, they don't get along necessarily and their personality clashes and it's very, very silly, but we had so much fun making it and we really, really want to make more of them. So far, we have shot three videos um, and we I just got another email today about setting up the next ones that we want to do. But the only way that we can keep getting money to do them is if people give that video their page view. So please, please check it out. Is it up right now? Yeah, it is up right it. now. Oh. It is up yeah, it's right been, now. It went up on Ooh. what? On Sunday or Saturday? It went can up on put Sunday. It, put it yeah. on. It, can, will we have it we in, the show, it in the show notes? It's, I'm putting it in the show notes. Now, I haven't yeah. seen that. Yep. Maddie, I will tweet that out to every one of my Twitter followers, and I will follow up with them individually, like <laughs> one by one. And be like, have you watched Aww. that thank video? You very much. Bri- Brian, Brianna Wu's uh, threatening web series tour. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, I will say it's very different from this show because we are playing characters and it's very jokey. It's not serious at all. It's a very, very silly show. So There's some cool it, animations in it, too. Yes, and- they, there are animations. And also we got Metroid Metal to record a mashup theme song of the Street Fighter theme. And one of the songs from Metroid is the theme. And it's like incredible that we got all of those things to happen. And I would really like to be able to pay all those people back. So please <laughs> watch the video. Thanks. Is he shirtless? The yes. whole time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he's a god, mm-hmm. so he'd have to be shirtless. Yes, yes. So. that's right. You can see Jonathan Holmes shirtless, and there's so many comments about how attractive he is. How could you want to miss out on that? That's <laughs> well, like the I know, main I'm topic gonna, of conversation. I wasn't, wasn't going to watch the There video, are more comments now, about yeah. Jonathan Holmes' yeah. physical appearance than me, and I am completely okay with that, and I hope <laughs> that continues. So, yeah, watch the video and comment on Jonathan Holmes' pecs, if you please. Okay. <laughs> anyway. So should we talk about video games? Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> so we're not going to talk about the Windows thing because uh, you guys already talked about that thoroughly on Rocket, I'm, I'm assured. And the only gaming – I mean there was the Xbox One streaming thing that doesn't seem all that interesting. 
the only thing, if you're going to permit me just a couple of minutes of nerding out, because uh, the only thing that jumped out to me out of that, Phil Spencer was wearing a Battletoads shirt, which means hopefully that we're getting a new Battletoads game soon, which would be kind of awesome, even though I don't know that I'm physically ready for something like that. But... <laughs> I, I, what do you mean by well, that? Well, I, I was I, so I was doing show notes um, last night, and I was I'm like, oh well, the awesome games done quick was a just wrapped up uh, like last weekend or the weekend before, which is a a fundraiser where they do speed runs of classic video games, and then they take donations, you know, during it. And so I'm like, well, let me see if they did a Battletoad speed run, and sure enough, they did, and I watched it, and I remember playing all those levels and i have no idea how as a kid i got through any of them because it's just like the game is like the dark souls of the nes it is a hard game it's incredibly hard and i i was watching it i'm like everybody talks about the speeder levels in that game and then there's this level where you're like running on these snakes that are you know coiling around in midair and and I, I remember getting up to the last level of that game, and I'm like, I don't think I could do that now. So I don't even know if I would want to play it, but I'm happy that they are allowing Rare to actually use Rare's IP and not just make them make Kinect Sports games. So The shirt itself is stunning. Yeah, I want, I want that, that shirt. shirt. I want the shirt yeah. more than I actually want the game. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. It's a game that I played before, but I don't think that I would play it now. Like, I guess it would depend on, on the manner in which they played it and what they added to it. But the shirt, sick. I mean, I'm almost more excited about the potential of a decent Banjo-Kazooie game than I am a new Battletoads game. Yeah, I I just don't think it'll really hold up today. I I don't think it would either, no. Because when we were kids, you know, like you had that one game. I remember Battletoads and I started playing it. I'm like, oh, this isn't any good. But I can't buy any video games (laughs) for like two months because I'm a child and I'm poor. So, (laughs) you know, and that's when you had to keep playing. Like you had to go down the cliff and smack people with that bird's beak after you grab. Grabbed it and like memorized the the speeder geometry, like going up, down, down, up. You know, like I I just don't think you have time to do that nowadays. And I mean, when you think about what the defining feature of was of Battletoads, it was like that distinctive cartoonish animation. Yeah, yeah, it was almost like claymation in a way. Yeah, I thought yeah. you were going to say the theme song. Cause it's I good. I don't remember it. <laughs> the theme it's song was good. Got like that beat. It's like yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> it was like, I mean, the concept is such a bad Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ripoff, you know? So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird because it's like I have so much nostalgia for that game, but it's like I, I can't imagine myself playing Dark Souls now. I mean, I've tried, but I, I also think that there's that trend of like the super hard platformer and like the super hard Dark Souls game that maybe they could co- bring back something like that now and make it super hard and something that I would never want to play. But I'm just happy that Rare continues to exist, and maybe we'll get like a new banjo kazooie or a new snake rattle and roll or something like that. But yeah, here I, I have so. the music if you want to listen yeah. to it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's no Mega Man two. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so that was just that was just something that struck out at me. So I'm I'm just you know nerding out, even though I don't think I actually want that game, but I'm excited that it could possibly exist, and yeah, then I could yeah. you know force my daughters to play it maybe. 
<laughs> Maddie, I have to say, I was watching this video in silent as we were we were uh, talking out that last segment, and I had no idea if your jokes were funny because I was on silent, but you are a awesome, gorgeous Zero Suit Samus. Like, you really <laughs> pulled that off. Well, so, thank you. Yeah. If I were I coming on I made it myself. That... <laughs> did painting. you really? Did you really? I did. Really? I, did. I sewed did it you? and I painted it. And really? I had to paint it with it on and stand around and wait for it to dry. It was so annoying to make that costume. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're getting uh, yeah. your time's worth out of it then. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. If I were coming on that video, I would comment on your appearance and not Jonathan Holmes. So I'm well, just saying. Yeah. I will just say I have a bunch of uh, materials to make a various suit and I started it, but it's an <gasps> expensive project. And if people watch the video, <laughs> then maybe I can finish it. And I would really, really like to. I have all the the like plastic molding. Oh, really? Oh, it's just, 3D printed? Yeah. No, no, no. It's like you make a mold out of wax of a pauldron. Holy and Lord, then you, Maddie, are you kidding I know, me? You I know. actually I, wax molded them? No, no, no. I just spent a bunch of money on everything. <laughs> and I, I don't I don't have enough to make the entire suit, though. So I would have to buy more stuff. Ugh. Making things out of plastic is so hard and expensive. But I, I would really love an excuse to do it. And this show seems as good an excuse as any. If you do that, Georgia will paint a star on her eye chum style. And show up to everything. <laughs> that, well... Out of everything, that one actually is a great theme. Yeah. Oh, God. I love this part. I do, too. Come on, tell me you weren't dancing. I, I was, was dancing. I was grooving. I love I that grooving. song. Love that song. So, Bree and I, are you wearing your star? I I am. <laughs> not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not. Yes. I, I'm disappointed. Here I am sitting here with a star on my face. Are I have you a really? Star on my face, and I'm alone on it. Wait, you I... do? Really? Yeah. That's well, it. we're never gonna know because this isn't a video podcast. So I know can... you're gonna have to take a selfie and tweet it. So, all right. So should we talk about this Resident Evil thing <laughs> yeah, before we before we're this. at an hour and a half and we haven't actually talked about any video games? Oh, though. <laughs> Okay. We talked about so, Battletoads. We, we did, did talk, talk about, about Battletoads. Battletoads. So, but that's uh, not a video game. <laughs> it's not a real video game yet. Well, I guess it was in 1992. Yeah. Anyway, we, let's let's rip off this band-aid. So they oh. released a a remaster of Resident Evil this week, and apparently. So they, this is not just, you know, one of the things that they're just dumping in and like a PS1 game, they actually went through and, and redid all of the, the models. And apparently they put in a mode where you can play not with the tank controls, which is one of the things that I couldn't stand about Resident Evil games. And then apparently they decided to spend some extra attention on Jill Valentine's boobs in a way that is not normal not natural i suppose i mean i mean being you know being an american male and a member of the patriarchy i'm not so sure i see what the problem is here but you know really no no serious? i'm I'm, jo- I'm joking i'm joking even <laughs> I I to drive over to I your house yes, I'm, just eat steve alive in that moment yes. really <laughs> no i i even even to my untrained eye i can tell that something is awry there but uh, it's something is awry. <laughs> well, two somethings are awry, I suppose. Right, but yeah. uh, you know, it's they. I mean, she. They. They seem to have paid quite a bit of attention, and they came, seem to be defying gravity. 
uh, somewhat. And there's a vine in this article of that that kind of just shows it off, and they're just. It, I know, I know, I know. What's the problem? <laughs> with, okay. With with her boobs, because I think that what they used wasn't a real female, of course, because that's not like. It actually, it doesn't, like, okay, fine, they they wanted to give a lot of attention to someone's boobs. I guess they think that that's going to get people to play this video game. I have no clue why they would do it. My thing is that they've never taken a physics course or looked at how a real female moves, how do boobs move. But what I think they are is that they used two water balloons and walked (laughs) carrying the water balloons. Because these, that's what her boobs move like. I know. They're water balloon boobs. It's not even an exaggeration. They're like undulating as though filled with water. They are. Well, I feel like there's a technical part of this discussion here. So what they do is they get some you know, physics simulation tool like physics. And what they do is they put a rig on her boobs and then they, they run a simulation on it. And... You know, it's meant to, like, you can do this to hair, where if you, you turn your hair, it will kind of follow your body a bit. And that's what they do, that they assign, like, secondary motion to it. So it's like, it's it's simulated. You see, but what probably happened, Bree, is that they had yeah. a guy yeah. doing the simulation. Exactly. And right. they stuck water balloons, because he didn't have a real chest. Right. And then they made him walk. <laughs> but you see, the thing is, is that I think that they're actually her secret <laughs> weapon. Because I just want to like poke, and they're going to explode. They're explode. She's and, ready and- for a water balloon fight at any moment. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. She's just going to open up her shirt, throw one out, and and launch it at someone. So, so I mean, Bree, let me ask you this. So, yeah. Do you so you think that they just did one set of mocap and they did they had a they had a dude do the mocap and then they just kind of <laughs> like figured out the boobs after the fact? No, no, no. I think they. I I don't. Uh, this game was made in two thousand and. 2004, I think, like, this was originally a, a GameCube game, you know, where we didn't really have mocap technology in the same way at that point. So, you know, there was someone that was a hand animator that went through and created this cycle. You know, then they they went through and did a physics simulation on Jill's chest back then and, you know, did it so it's like emulated through her walking. And then you have a guy that's sitting there doing this, you know, so they set the physical, you know, attributes up for secondary motion up very high because they want to see like a result of their work. And for whatever strange reason, the psychologist and team of psychologists needs to go into, like it looked attractive (laughs) to him. Um, You know, so there's not, there's not anything like evil going on here. It's just, it's a little unusual. And, you know, what's really frustrating to me is I was on podcast with uh, some people that were animators at Volition earlier this week and I was I was complaining about hair and they were talking about how very often in development you will try to like get the physics simulation hooked up to a, a woman's hair and you'll get to the end of the the dev cycle and you'll just simply run out of time but you know they'll make time for the <laughs> boobs they never run out of they time did. for boobs they had time uh, you and Amanda when Amanda was was Amanda Warner yeah. when she guested on here you were talking about you know the the rigs and and the boob physics that were part of the rigs and stuff like that. Right. Do they? Uh, this is a weird question, but sure. do they have like more controls for the boobs than the other parts of the body, or is it pretty much like I, I'm just I I'm I'm trying to <laughs> figure out if like these guys are spending like significant dev time, like more so than the rest of the body, like on this one particular body part. 
No, I mean, well, I, I'm only guessing from the rigs, but it's going to be a bone structure within your boobs where, like, it's going to come into the chest cavity, and then the edge of the bone is going to be at the, the vert where the nipple would be, and then you'd have weight painting around that vertices point to, like, talk about how the 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 stuff there would wiggle and squash and stretch <laughs> mathematically. It's actually like a spreadsheet that you open up and, and, you know, set what we call weight painting. So it's not that, I mean, you obviously have a team that's going through there and assigning that very carefully. And if you look at, you know, the way they do Jill, they set that weight painting very low because there's a lot of jiggle there. You know, the first rig of holiday had controls for the boobs and we just got rid of it because like, Let's talk reality. Like when I go work out at the gym, I wear something spandexy, you know, to, to run, to do the elliptical, to do whatever. But, you know, you're wearing something to like keep everything secure. And so would holidays. So that the goal is actually to, to eliminate the jiggle. Does that make sense to you? Like if you're going to be super acrobatic, like you don't want that. So I mean, I've, I don't know from personal experience, but I've heard that not having something like that becomes painful after a while of running away from zombies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's doing a lot of slow walking from zombies in the first. There's Resident a lot Evil of game, jiggle actually. for the amount and of she, slow walking. The amount of jiggling is as though she was doing jumping jacks. Yeah, <laughs> she's yeah. slowly yeah. walking forward. So there's that. But yeah, I mean, I have long advocated for fictional women in games to wear sports bras because it, a lot of times <laughs> they would be, and they just aren't. Especially fighting games. Sorry, fighting games, but it's true. It's true. It's I'm just totally worried true. that if she runs, she might knock herself out. <laughs> I I feel like there's so much wrong that I don't even know where to begin. But stuff like this really bothers me because I really like Jill Valentine. Oh, and yeah. I really like this video game. And I was really excited about playing it again and having an excuse to revisit it. And now I'm just annoyed because that's going to distract me in a negative way and make me feel like the developers thought that it was funny or sexy or something else that frankly doesn't belong in a horror game. Mm -hmm. Why would you add in something that is tonally at odds with the horror element of the game? I just I don't get it and it bugs me. I, I think that's the real disconnect there. You know, Resident Evil came out in an era where there weren't a lot of women in games, like for protagonists. And, mm -hmm. and playing as Jill was a big deal. Right. I really appreciate that because she could pick between playing as uh, Chris or Jill. And I mean, Maddie, when you and I play this game, I look at Jill and she's gorgeous and you can imagine yourself as Jill. Like that's... Uh -huh. That's yeah, how I feel when I, I like play it. I literally ran around as a kid in backyards pretending to be Jill Valentine and dressing as Jill when I was too young to really think about like what that would entail. So yeah, <laughs> video game developers, maybe think about that. Yeah. I can imagine all this happening too. Middle school too. aged Maddie doing that. And like, what do you, what do you think that this, I hate to like play that card, but Jill Valentine was so important to me growing up. I just mm -hmm. can't. I don't know. No, I agree. Also, you know, just from a, a model and reality point of view, like the this game has Jill, like in the original Resident Evil, you get to see an actual actress playing her. And that's, you know, that's modeled into this version. Like she's not a particularly voluptuous character, you know, like she's... No, she's wiry. She's sort of acrobatic looking. Yeah, yeah. There's not much there to jiggle, but they have made it jiggle in a way that it would not in reality. Which is really disturbing. So... <laughs> yeah, it is. 
Like, why? To me, it seems like a mistake was made. Like, I don't... <laughs> I, I'm like, how did they... Maybe when they were typing in the variables, they just added a zero somewhere that they didn't mean to. Right? Yeah, it just I, They just doubled up on the numbers. Because her chest moves more than her head goes up and down, right? right like, there's not even right. enough uh, physics to have this occur. There, there might be some sort of supernatural thing that wind. we don't know <laughs> that, wind that's that only affects boobs some sort of uh you know a gravity that that you know are you saying this could be the the t-virus georgia is that what you're saying <laughs> they they might be going zombie okay so they're they're becoming like their own entities is that what you're saying <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is gonna this is getting scary <laughs> I'm i'm scared zombie chest i don't know i don't know I mean, I guess it's obvious that there's no women on the on the animation team because I can say as a guy, there are not very unless you're a, a, an unapologetic perp, there are not a lot of opportunities to observe how breasts move in a, really? in, in a normal environment like without getting shirt, without yeah. getting there's punched so in the face. Much, I can't even say that there's so much media out there. And well, that's, that's that's all stage. That's all stage, though. I'm talking about like in a in a natural. Like I, on the street, like a normal well, person. I'm sure some of these guys have a girlfriend or a wife that yeah. they could just. But ask. I think what Bree said was right, though. This isn't meant to be realistic. It's meant to be sexy, and the fact that this is sexy, it's completely it's ridiculous. But like, it's I not even, even sexy. Is the problem? I know. Like I feel like I can. It's like a cartoon. I, it would annoy me if there were some jiggling added that was to a level that would make sense and be kind of realistic or maybe a little bit overblown. I'd be like, okay, I get why this is here. It annoys me, but I get it. This is like stupid and it feels (laughs) insulting and like a mistake was made. I like, that's the extent of it to the point where I don't even know if I want to get the game. I'm really annoyed about it and perhaps irrationally. So, but no, 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 you're not. I, I'm annoyed because I wrote, people can go back and read it again if they want, but I wrote a whole column for paste about how excited I was for this remake. Like a whole column just about this, and now I'm really disappointed. And, and you don't even normally like horror games, right? I don't. Resident Evil is like a rare exception, and it's only because I grew up with it, and I just I have a soft spot for it. And I, it's def- Jill Valentine is a huge part of why. So I, yeah, I'm really annoyed. I feel like this is an insult to me as a fan. I'm, I'm annoyed. I can't get past it. I, I think there's also a discussion about just like Samus, how they've made her, you know, like in, yeah. increasingly weaker and girly. And, you know, they've made her shorter and they've made her more voluptuous and they've removed muscle mass. And I mean, that's a different team that did that. But I, it's the same idea. And like, I feel like these characters started out in a different way. And like, I I think that some of that is because there are some things that happened in the 90s that could never happen now (laughs) like i i don't know like sometimes i go back and i'm like well how did how did these tv shows and movies get made and the same goes for the 80s too but i i feel like now we're kind of seeing almost a pushback against that in the sense that especially with samus and jill being retconned into physical appearances that they never had and that don't make sense and well that's why i was gonna say like jill when she starts off i mean you know i'm not gonna call it the beret um you know and like shoulder guards i mean i'm not gonna i feel call like it the those most... aren't sexy they're very practical it's that's... it's it's a very practical edge of the costume so okay so jill starts off in resident evil one with with that costume which is 
plausibly military. Like, she's part of mm-hmm. STARS, Special Tactics and Rescue. So then we come to Resident Evil 3. What is she wearing? She's wearing a strapless top and a mini skirt and boots the entire time uh, in a sweater hanging off her waist, which was a cute outfit, but it's, you know, it's getting sexier, you know? And then where do we kind of see her next in the series? Uh, it was uh, Resident Evil 5 was kind of when we, you know, in a major series picked mm. up with her again. Yes. What does she do there? Like, they give her, like, D-cup boobs. Also, they make her a damsel, she is kidnapped and brainwashed and also wearing this very ridiculously sexy outfit while being Wesker's brain slave. It's a complete opposite from how she with started as a With a gem, a spider thing in her chest with her yes. cleavage pulled down. And you, which the player it, character, have to, have to <laughs> sexually rip it off of her chest in order to free her from Wesker's mind control. It is, I can't even believe that's a sequence in the game. Right. But and then is. we go to Resident Evil Revelations, where they actually use the 3D screen of the 3DS to have her butt swaying in your face with 3D technology. She walks with the most exaggerated walk cycle I've ever seen. And I just want to tell Capcom, like, I, like Maddie, love this character, but it breaks my heart what you're doing to her. Like, Jill is a, I'm not going to say like she's the strongest character in all of fiction, but she started off as someone I identified with. And now she is a F toy, you know, and it's just, it's, it's really disturbing. And it's, it doesn't match with what your fans feel about her. So we've, we've had a conversation before about like the differences in cultures between here and Japan. And, and obviously, Capcom is a Japanese. Publisher. I like disagree with this every time because I feel like Mortal Kombat is far worse than any Japanese. Okay. I I mean like I I hear people say that and I think I I don't know. I think it's rooted in wanting to get off scot free as Americans from having any culpability in sexism and I don't I don't really think that's fair. Okay. Yeah, like I feel like we have to admit that we are the market for a lot of this stuff and like Metroid in particular, Americans tend to like that game. And so that is who they were trying to make that new Samus for was Americans, I think. I mean, it, it didn't work, but but nonetheless, there is a sense that, that this is wanted here. And I think that the games that we make aren't really that much better. And Mortal Kombat is my go-to for this, but there are certainly other examples. I, I have to agree. Okay. Uh, anything else you that you guys want to say on this before we take a break or just get rid of the rigs and use those those bones somewhere else like add some bones to the hair you know yeah, make her bangs sway around it would look really cool and more realistic i i don't think you know rev 60 is a worse game for not having boob controls i've played a lot of zero suit samus and smash she doesn't have you know rigs on her boobs to make them bounce it's just not needed and you know maybe there's a point with the animation where you're going for a level of realism that that's appropriate but we're not even approaching that in games and like we all know what this is about this is about sexual titillation and you know just it's 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 crude it's cheap it, it it takes away from the work your dev team is doing. It pisses off your female fan base, of which we're half of the game market now. Just stop doing it. Like, grow up. Be more than teenagers. Hold yourself to higher standards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, let's let's take a break and talk about Squarespace. 
if you've set up a website, you know, way back when I remember my first my first job when I was in college or one of my first jobs was my dad hired me out to set up a web web page for somebody and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And they sent me over to this this guy's house with like front page and he had no idea what he was doing, what he wanted. And we sat there for about four hours and then ended up just giving up and, and nothing ended up happening. And, and if that happened today, I'd just be able to go to Squarespace and in about 15 minutes, I'd have something up for him. So uh, Squarespace is, has Squarespace 7 now, which has a redesigned interface. Um, you get integration with Google Apps if you want to be able to hook up to your domain. Uh, they have partnership with Getty Images where you can get professional images for a really low price. Uh, they have fantastic templates that are designed by musicians and artists and for very specific uh, specific needs, but they look great on any site. Um, you can get cover pages to make an announcement or just to put up as a splash page. Every Squarespace site has beautiful design. Uh, there's 24-7 support uh, through live chat and email, and it's only $8 a month. And if you buy Squarespace for the year, you get a free domain, which is kind of a no-brainer. Uh, and everything comes with, resp- with responsive design. It will all look good on a phone or an iPad or on any sort of device. And you can even get a free online store, which we've we've used it at fandas.biz uh, sometimes to our <laughs> to, to uh, a bit of a, you know, <laughs> I don't even know what the to word is. To our benefit, there is no catch to fandas.biz. I don't know why you're pausing, Steve. I don't know why I'm pausing either, because we sold pictures of hand turkeys to people. That's why. <laughs> But if we could sell hand turkeys, imagine what you could sell, uh, you know, of, of actual stuff of, of more than, well, I don't want to say of what, no value. What, I don't want to say of no value because George's ahead, artwork, Steve. George's artwork is, is beautiful. It's priceless. It, yeah. The uh-huh. Rev 60 comic yeah. book. We worked our butts off Yeah, that's on that. true. Yeah. We did have We've the Rev 60 comic book on and there the too. And the Logica is up on there. And you the, can, you can still buy that there, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we still have that up there. So if you want to buy the Rev 60 comic book, you can go ahead and, and do that too. You know, as an entrepreneur, I talk to people all the time and they just don't know where to start. And I mean, the truth is, unless you've got some complicated back end component to your business or like you're really starting a multi million dollar business, I mean, if you were, um, you know, if you are someone that is looking to, you know, start a website, I think you'd be ridiculous to use anything but Squarespace. I mean, especially if you have an e-commerce component to it. I just, I think it's one of the best run startups in the entire business. And, you know, I'm very proud every single time they, they let us, you know, basically plug them on our show. Yeah. And even if you do, if you are thinking about something with a somewhat complicated backend, you can use their developer platform too. And you can, you don't have to just use their templates just to put up HTML. You can actually get into the code behind the scenes. Yeah. So, Uh, you can start a trial with no credit card retro- required and start building your website today. And when you do decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code Isometric to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you so much for Squarespace for their support of Isometric. Uh, Squarespace, start here, go anywhere. The other thing that kind of blew up yesterday is uh, we get to talk about ethical journalism again. Oh, God. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Did we ever really stop talking about it? I, I don't <laughs> So Destructoid had this article from somebody, an op-ed from someone called The Badger, which I guess is their... It's a th- recurring anonymous column yeah. that takes submissions from multiple people. Yeah. Basically, if you have an anonymous rant about the games industry, you can put it up there. Yeah, it's, I guess it's like their version of the Macalope a little bit. I, I'd never heard of the Badger before. No, neither have <laughs> I. So. It is 
I think I can say this. It is apparently the most popular feature that Destructoid runs right now. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, this this article got a lot of traction on Twitter yesterday in particular. And just it's a really expletive laden rant about the kinds of things that AAA is doing to manipulate uh, games journalists and why games journalists are, uh, according to this writer, easily manipulated uh, basically saying that they're poor and they're looking for someone to pay attention to them and that the the AAA studios will go ahead and throw these lavish parties and shower them with gifts in order to to juice review scores. So this was I, I saw a lot of responses to this uh, ranging all the way from this is a huge expose and this blows the top off of everything all the way to this sounds like it was written five years ago. So. I, I know you had a lot of thoughts about this, Maddie. Where were you, what what were your reactions to this when we when it first came out? Um, well, one of the things that somebody pointed out in the comments on the piece was that Destructoid itself, or maybe this was a tweet, was that Destructoid itself used to be guilty of a lot of these practices and perhaps notoriously so. And I th- I think that lately um, Destructoid has been trying to get away from that reputation in various ways. Uh, I know some people who work there and they I don't think it's any secret that they don't have a great reputation integrity wise. And some many people have left Destructoid this year and they're sort of rebuilding now. And I respect that they're trying to do that. I always respect when a site tries to do that, no matter what mistakes they may have made. And I think that perhaps their publishing this was an attempt to acknowledge that in the past, Destructoid and many other websites that used to or still do identify as quote unquote enthusiast press when it comes to games journalism used to go to big fancy AAA events where you go to a hotel room and you eat a bunch of cheese and crackers and fancy salmon and play a video game in the best possible conditions and then you feel really obligated to say that you liked it in your review or else you might not get invited to the next cheese and crackers fancy schmancy video game showing and you might get your review at the last minute and maybe not as many page views and so on and so forth. I mean, this is a practice that people absolutely complained about five years ago. And I feel like in the past five years, we have periodically seen anonymous Reddit posts or anonymous twit longer posts from people being like, I used to be a games journalist and there are some AAA practices that are really, really shady and really taking advantage of games journalists. I mean, we we've all seen those posts in the past. This is not the first agree. Yeah. 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 So I I was not as upset by this post as other people. I think other people were like, I don't want anybody to think this is what the games journalism industry is still like. And I don't. And like a lot of other journalists I know were like, this isn't what it's like anymore for a variety of reasons. One is that male pronouns were used throughout the article. And I mean, there aren't very many women in games journalism, but there are a couple of us. And uh, so that doesn't really work anymore. And uh, so and also... I don't really know that there are as many fancy parties happening now as used to be. So I think that that myth is kind of dangerous to keep perpetuating. I'm not, I don't think it's as dangerous as other people do because I I feel like I've seen this story told again and again, and I know it's not really true anymore, but I, I think it's like worth acknowledging that it isn't and just kind of clarifying like, Hey, it's games journalism used to be more about enthusiasm towards games and not necessarily looking at them with a critical lens. And now 
we try to do that. And now it's a golden <laughs> age of doing that. Well, no, it isn't. But I work for a place that you I do. think does you that. Do. You do. And I have frankly never worked for a place that didn't. And although I know those stories and have heard from other people who have worked at those places that it happens, I have been kind of lucky in that I've never been in a position where I got invited to a really fancy party. I have always been a journalist who gets mailed a video game or gets emailed a download code. And that is the extent of my interaction with publishers and has been for my entire career. So that's my take. But I know that this happens. And I, I don't know... I don't know that it's the same as it used to be. I just, I don't think it is because I think there's more visibility about it now and AAA publishers find other ways to try to get good to play the game. reviews. Yes. Yeah. The, the one thing is that they were talking about this Captivate event. Uh, they spent a lot, uh, several paragraphs talking about this mm-hmm. Captivate event that Capcom put on in Hawaii where they flew a bunch of people out. And that hasn't happened since 2012. So just I, I, they and that's something that the the op ed person didn't mention. One in the, other thing that I forgot to say, I, the person who wrote this this column does not is not a games journalist. I, I think he says at various points in there that he isn't part of the industry. He's in the games industry rather, but he is not part of journalism. So he's speaking from a different perspective on this that might not necessarily be accurate and i don't know who he is because that's sort of the point of this kind of thing it's possible that he still works for a company that does this there aren't that many so i guess we can guess where he's from but i don't think that from a journalist perspective that this is something that every journalist experiences i think a lot of games journalists don't even get invited to these types of parties you know, I read this post uh, yesterday. I was at the gym and I kind of retweeted it and said, this is one of the best things you're going to read today. And I later felt really, really bad about that, reading all my journalist friends talk about how it made them feel. Um, you know, one person, it you know, this wasn't Maddie. She was talking about how it really bothered her if people might think this is what her job and her life was like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want to tell you, like, I went back through and I read the piece and I, I felt like that wasn't fair. So, you know, not that all my journalist friends like listen to me on this podcast, but I, I do agree with the critique that I don't think it's fair. What really struck me about this piece is, you know, as someone that's been targeted by literally hundreds of times every day, being told, Brianna, you and your feminist ideas are ruining the game industry. It's unethical. You're trying to censor developers. It, it was very refreshing to have an honest conversation about how collusion actually happens in the games industry. And, you know, I I just have to say this. Like, and this is with all due respect to friends of mine that are journalists, but I heard the same kind of well, I worked in politics. I, I will never forget this time I was in politics. And Exxon was showing, they were doing a um, wine and cheese event uh, over in Russell, which was one of the Senate buildings. And you're sitting there and Exxon is literally like liquoring up all the congressional aides uh, with very nice wine and catering. And there's this declarations of noble protest, like, oh, this doesn't affect me. I blah, 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 blah. And with respect to my friends that are journalists, I think there's that same kind of haughty, this doesn't affect me, I don't have any problems, it's those other guys. And 
you know, part of being a journalist, I feel, again, with respect, is a really big sense of, like, self-importance about what you're doing, which is, I mean, you're a professional. But I think that there's sometimes not really the most self-reflection that there could be there, at least from my point of view. So I, I liked this piece because I thought it talked about some really big systematic problems that are in the games industry. And I do think that I think that reporters are not paid enough to truly distance them from their sources. I think that I'd agree with that. Yeah, it, it is in the journalist's best interest to form very close relationships with the people that they cover. I think you can look at Destiny and the the hyped up response to that, and and see that the games press is is like it basically created this hype train about a game that was, in my opinion, and many people's opinion, a failure. I just have to say this. I think when it comes to covering issues of sexism in the industry, the game's journalists in our field completely fail. I would give them an F as far as, you know, editorial independence, C, maybe a B. And, you know, there are some really big problems there. But I don't think it's fair to say, you know, my friends that may work at XYZ Publication are like being flown out to get wined and dined with these people and they have no integrity. I, I don't think that's fair because every person I personally know that works as a journalist takes their ethics very seriously. You know, I think as professionals, they have a lot of integrity. I think it's just human nature to kind of underestimate the degree to which this stuff affects you. Um, I can tell you for me, you know, being one of the better known feminists in the field, I flat out cut my friends a break with who I I kind of critique on Twitter and publicly and who I don't. And sometimes I will talk to a journalist or game developer at a party and, you know, I'll shake their hand. We'll get to be friends. And I, I don't go after them because we have a friendship there. And I'm trying to say, like, I'm just as susceptible to this stuff. We all are, you know, does, does that make sense to you, Maddie? Do you know where I'm coming from? Yeah, I do. And I, I actually think that what you're getting at has less to do with fancy parties, which is part of why I'm like, I don't know that we have to focus on that and more to do with other types of, I don't want to say tricks, but for lack of a better word, tricks that uh, companies with lots of money can use to take advantage of games journalists. Like, Destiny, for example, could afford to be omnipresent in a way that other games can't be, like billboards, presence on websites, constantly sending press releases, just seeming everywhere in a way that can make you feel excited even if you don't have any reason to be excited. And like as a journalist, I get so many emails all the time, and if I see something mentioned a lot subconsciously, I think my brain starts to remember it as being important, whether or not it really is. And since I'm already surrounded by all of these things, that means that I saw Destiny so much that I started to be like, yeah, Destiny's going to be a really big deal internally. I wasn't like writing preview pieces being like, I can't wait for Destiny. But I mean, I thought it would be good. And I think the only reason why I thought that was because they could afford to make it ever present for me. And especially as a person like career-wise seeing it everywhere that kind of thing so i that concerns me and also the fact that there are people who are friends with other people in the industry that kind of thing worries me less because i feel like personally i tend to be more critical of my friends at least privately if they let me down in some way i'll definitely be like i feel like you have the power to call this out 
and I rely on you to do that and you didn't. <laughs> but maybe I'm just a horrible friend. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I feel like I will be more likely to ask them about about something like that, whether it's sexism or what have you, if I am their friend. But um, I'm in some ways more likely to just assume that they didn't know any better. And so maybe I have it the backwards way around when it comes to that. I'm not sure. I, I also think, and I agree with everything you said, but I also think the the correct target in this piece isn't the journalists that work at this, no, it's this, AAA. this publication. <laughs> no, I don't even think it's AAA. I think it's the corporate interests. Well, sure, um, sure. So, I mean, let's look with respect to my friends at work at IGN. IGN exists to make money. And, you know, that kind of corporate, I, I know for a fact that they get instructions from on high that say you can comment on this, you can't comment on that. You know, I think you can look at their very watered-down response to Gamergate and tell, like, I don't have any insider information on this, but, you know, it's clear the lawyer took a hatchet to it, you know, because they didn't want to comment and threaten their bottom line. Because, you know, IGN is not the New York Times. They are a corporation. They exist to make money. They don't have a long track record of integrity. They're owned by Ask Men. <laughs> right, Exactly. So I, I don't mind saying this, you know, Matteo is very critical of the escapist this weekend. Like we were on a panel with someone in their region. I really went after someone on a panel that Maddie and I were on for working at the escapist, which has been horrible on Gamergate, F on Gamergate. They've done immense harm to women in this industry. I happened to get some inside information on that later, and it wasn't the journalists that were putting that forward, by the which we're all fired this week. You know, mm -hmm. it was the management up the chain that, you know, basically decreed these extremely sexist pieces get run at The Escapist. So I think there's a lot of blame to go around. I just don't think it's worth going after the journalists that isn't paid a lot of money and is, do you know what I mean? Like they're not the right target here. Yeah, so. and I mean, also they already think about this all the time. I can pretty much promise you that. And they probably already do feel guilty about it. And the people who should feel more guilty don't like, like be more worried about the guys who don't seem worried, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the guys who read stuff like this and laugh it off and go, those aren't real problems and whatever. We're all just having fun. And I love partying and I love hanging out with babes at these parties. I mean, like there are parties like that at GDC and stuff, not like paid for by anyone, but like, you know, high level guys hanging out and partying with each other. And that kind of culture, I think it does bias people in favor of certain games in a way that is uh insidious and hard to identify or explain and i don't know i don't i it's like that sort of bro culture that we try to delineate on this show like the idea <laughs> that everybody's like all bros and drinking together that part of gdc is is definitely the part of it that i found hard to stomach but i don't know that's a separate problem that's also why i'll never work at ign the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Georgia, what was your reaction to this? As you know, because I, I mean, I had a, a reaction that I was kind of, I was surprised at the extent, but I wasn't really surprised at anything that I read, just not being someone with insider knowledge. What was your reaction to, to reading this? Well, I don't know if I'm going to have anything that, that I'm going to say that's going to be different from what um, Maddie and Brie already said. I think that it's, it is just common knowledge that, you know, 
us as a people, our psychology is the better that we know someone, the better that we like someone. And we will naturally feel obligated if given nice things and treated well by people to like that. That's a reward. And we're going to want to do that more. And so we are going to be more inclined, whether you know it um, consciously or unconsciously, to give a better result to that. Because if, you know, someone's giving you a really fabulous game, you're getting it early. One, that makes you feel a little bit elite. Two, it feeds your ego. Three, it's more fun. And then four, you're going to want that to happen again. And mm-hmm. so I don't think that this is something new. And I don't think that this is something that is unique just to games journalism. It's it's all over. It's through politics. It's through business. It's through the people that we deal with. Nepotism is one of the, the biggest reasons why people get jobs. It's not really, you know, what your your CV says. That's good. But it's how much someone likes you. So, you know, it depends on how judgmental are you going to be to what level and degree. You just meet someone and you, they treat you really nicely. You're going to have a little bit. It's like, it's like, you know, one up to your character score with that other person. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's a really difficult thing to parse. I think that it's impossible for us to separate ourselves from the things that we get from there. And I don't know how easy it would be to actually police because some of the most nefarious things will be happening behind closed doors and we would never hear about them. It wouldn't be the parties. It wouldn't be the right. um, things that are of public knowledge and it would be the, the stuffed you know. animal version of Marcus Phoenix. They, right. they haven't sent me that. I don't know why. Not. <laughs> hey, that's amazing. We, we need, Gosh, to, we need somebody. We need somebody to get on that and get Maddie a, a stuffed animal Marcus Phoenix. I, I think that like has to one. happen. I and just pulled that out of my head, but now I feel like it should be. I real. bet somebody on Etsy could make that for you. All right. Make it happen. <laughs> I'm corrupt. How do you feel, Steve? Like, I feel like you haven't really voiced in. Did you think the pictures were weird? I thought the pictures were weird. <laughs> it was like American Psycho themed, right? Yeah, that was weird. The tone of the article was like really condescending. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I was reading what the person was saying and I was kind of like filtering it through that because it's like you're a little bit too like cocky about this. And I don't know what it was about it that just kind of put me on the defensive when I was reading the article, not even necessarily anything that I read. I wasn't really shocked by anything. I mean, I figure that, you know, I mean, we've had these kinds of big incidents before the Kane and Lynch thing at GameSpot is obviously the one that everybody knows where they put out a review that was less than of a game that was not good. But did they, I forget, did they actually put out a, a review that it was good and even though it was bad, or did they put out a bad review and then they pull the advertising? I forget what the details uh, were of that. Something like that. It's always a fun Google rabbit hole. I remember that story vaguely as well, if anybody wants to. So, so I mean, I figure, you know, the, for every rat you see, there's 100 you don't. And, and I'm sure that some of this stuff is happening. I don't know that it's necessarily, you know, a plague upon the industry like this article was was leading to believe. It was definitely a little bit too like bombastic for me to take 100 percent. it was a little value. bit the pictures were a little clickbaitish right yeah, they were trying too. to incite a feeling by putting you know american cycle to say that you know ethics and and games which is important but it is not to the level of american psycho yeah and i yeah i agree and i i mean i think the whole thing is clickbait i i mean it's a feature that does well because people like reading this kind of thing it's like uh hate reading it's, yeah uh, you read something just to feel feel something i guess yeah, <laughs> yeah. whether yeah. it's anger or it's your two or minutes hate basically agreement right. like violent agreement like yeah down with games journalists and triple a and all of it it's all broken like it's your chance to rage 
is is like a kind of high that I personally hate, but <laughs> I know other people enjoy it. Maybe if they don't have enough going on, I would say to those people play a video game. <laughs> try that <laughs> but yeah i i don't know don't write articles that assume journalists are dudes don't that, do it. yeah that that definitely yeah. don't do, don't it. do that yeah it's 2015 don't do it yeah. try a little bit harder to acknowledge that enthusiast press is no longer the only form of games journalism that exists i mean one could definitely argue that a lot of games journalism is still about just hey check out this cool thing and that's it with no analysis, but you know, there's other stuff out there. So I, uh, let's look let's... at isometric. I mean, yeah, look at us. Yeah. We hash this stuff for out example, every single isometric? week. Yeah. 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 And absolutely. I mean, there is something to be said for like Kotaku's new direction where they're not, you know, going into the previews and, and stuff like that as much as, you know, following games after they've been released. Yeah. And I really appreciate that they're doing that. I, I appreciate the hell out of every Pokemon article that, that Patricia Hernandez puts out because absolutely, I, me too. I thought I knew a lot <laughs> about Pokemon and then, and I, learn something new every time she puts something out so you know i think that there there are sites that are trying to take it in a different direction and and, you know hopefully that'll move things for the better yeah i'm willing to give them credit for that absolutely so georgia you haven't started in a while so what are you uh what are you playing this week okay um (laughs) so i um i i was trying to pass my level 155 forever on candy crush soda and and uh, so I wasn't playing it because I couldn't pass the level and it was really frustrating because it took me like weeks and I passed it. And so um, I've been back to playing Candy Crush Soda. That's that it. game broke me, Georgia. I had to <laughs> stop playing it. <laughs> it's a it's an intense game. And and I also did uh, get uh, Trexels from uh, Bree's suggestion. <sighs> I think that my favorite part of Trexels was the opening because the opening was was like Star Trek's opening and the music is just oh it brings me back it gives me such happy thoughts and the voice George Takai hello you have me sold <laughs> even without any tribbles it's it's just such fun you you guys are going to break me down and get me to download this game even though I'm not a huge Star Trek it's really it. good, yeah. But I might, I might have to. I had, I had my dark days with Tiny Tower, and then I tried Ooh. Tiny Death Star, and I said I'm not doing this again. But if it's different enough, maybe I'll give it a. It, it's different enough. But it's pretty much the same. I thing. could give it a try. I mean, it's much more narrative based, so it's all based around missions. So they'll beam down to a planet or try to solve like an engineering emergency or blast a ship in space. It. I would say it's a ten- I've seen no game ever capture the Star Trek feel yeah. as much as this game does. Captain, the ship's going to blow. Well, it, <laughs> sounds like, it sounds like it's better than Star Command at any event, which is a plus. So did you uh, play that? No, I don't know. It's that was a, is, yeah. It was one of the early Kickstarter games. <laughs> okay. And it was it, it was delayed by like years. And it's kind of like a, it, it's almost like an F, like a Star Trek themed ftl type is what it ended up being and they they had promised that there were going to be away missions and stuff like that but a lot of it ended up on the cutting room floor just so they could push something out and ended up being kind of underwhelming but so this sounds like it might be what that game was trying to do so i'll give that a shot i would say if you're not prepared to spend some real life money uh you're gonna get frustrated so um there are mechanics where you can't really 
get people to mine, uh, you know, research command, other other things that you need to to basically do missions. If you don't pony up real life money to kind of bring crew members in, there's a, a limit that you hit very quickly. So just yeah. know that going into. I it. mean, if it's well done and it's not manipulative, I don't mind throwing them a couple dollars if I'm enjoying it. This is something you're going to spend probably twenty, thirty dollars to beat the game. See, I, I so, stop at that level. Yeah, um, I'm. Yeah, I have a very low threshold. I mean, I'll just give up on a game before you know if it if it feels like it's going to be. Part of it is that I still have flashbacks to when I played Magic the Gathering in high school, and I spent a lot, a lot of money on cards. For, so, which I kind of see in app purchases is kind of the same thing. But you get so, to keep those cards. Exactly. Well, and then I still have a physical card at the end of yeah. it. I could go sell those today if I wanted to. I still have them in my basement. Ooh. But uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. from like, I don't have any from like, it was it was early on too. It was like revised editions. It wasn't, you know, like the Black Lotus that people find in a pack and, you know, sell for $3,000. But I think I have a couple of like $100 cards down there I if I wanted to sell them. I had one of those signed by the artist that made it. I don't know where I put it though. I think I do too. And I think I have it in like some sort of a case or something yeah, like that. You're, well, you're lucky. I think I lost mine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was an I was an obsessive little nerd about my uh, about my signatures back then. I guess I would say like like let me give you an example. Devil May Cry. I spent sixty dollars when the DMC remake came out. I think I played that game for about three hours, and I just wasn't that into yeah. it. I'll, I'll probably pick it up someday and go I back did the same to thing it. with Destiny. Sure. Um, you know this game is really really good. And I really, really enjoy building out my Starship Enterprise. And it, it, it makes me feel like I'm in that universe. I'm a huge Trek fan, uh, which is why I've been on The Incomparable talking about it so many times. And, you know, it's I love inhabiting that universe. And I feel like this game is, is totally worth $30. Like my biggest complaint about the game isn't the in-app purchase. It's that the they program the multitasker in such a way that this uh, fourth condition override in the code happens. And it, like decompiles the program from the main memory so you have to hear that stupid song georgia just played like she finds it charming i've heard it it's a great (laughs) song except you have to restock your your ship about 12 times a day and every time you do it you hear that over and over and over that startup screen where they have um all those dudes on the screen and one woman which makes me crazy and then (laughs) like they play that and then you go she's wearing the cute little 60s shirt skirt yeah but come on there's seven people on that screen <laughs> two are monsters four dudes and one woman i'm sick of it make it 50 50 people okay it's the future <laughs> so what are you playing this week brie other than trexels uh so i bought saint Row four uh i actually am gonna have a really long screen about this yeah like i people... saw you complaining on twitter about this so i'm i am i am ready for this go ahead this is Gat Out of Hell? Yeah, it's um, it, it's Gat Out of Hell, and they basically redid Saint Row um, to, to you know, up-res the textures and bring it to PS4. And I, I like Saint Row a lot. Um, I think it's, it's, it's so funny comparing that game to GTA V because I think it gets so many more gender things right. Um, this is a screed about Sony. Guys... You are currently making the worst product in the entire industry. And I know you got a lot of fan love out of the gate with the PS4. Um, I think it's all crap. And I think you're I think you're bringing a really bad product to market. You don't protect our credit card data. Um, PSN sucks. PSN sucks. 
PSN is a completely unreliable service. And I know this isn't just me because I've looked it up. Every single time I buy a game on PSN, I know it doesn't matter that I spend $100 a month for Fios. I know that Sony is not going to have the back-end stuff, and it will take 3, 4, yeah. 5, 6, 8, 12 hours to download a stupid product, which defeats the entire point of like buying it in my home because I can have it Amazon to me, like with Amazon Prime the next day as freely. So I go and buy Saint Row because, like, um, long story short, like I thought I pre ordered it and I forgot to follow through on the cart. So I go and buy it and I am sitting there and I'm trying to get it to download. And I'm doing this trick where I, like, pause the download and get to restart. And I'm restarting my console, like, over and over for a freaking hour just trying to get PSN to spool me the data. And then I'm going through and I'm hacking my DNS with these Google DNS uh, for primary and secondary just to freaking trick PSN into sending me stuff at a decent rate which was really annoying. And then after all of that, so I go through and I'm like, look, it's like this is 1995 and it's Microsoft Windows again. Um, you know, I'm like trying to, to hack this stuff and just download a freaking game. So I get it done. It's downloaded. It's installed after like hours of messing with this. And then I go and I start my game up and then I play through the mission. Then it's like, whoops, this isn't done downloading yet. You can't do it. And I'm like, what? It downloaded and installed. And then like I go, you know, I repeat the process for an hour with Gat Out of Hell, like restarting, starting, rebooting my PlayStation 4. Eventually it installs. And then same thing. I get through one mission and then it's like, uh, whoops, you can't go any farther in the game. And I just, I like take pictures. I'm like, why is this game broken? I thought it was Volition's product that was broken. No, it was PSN that was broken. Like when it installed the game and downloaded it all, it was only part of the game. And underneath the hood, like hidden under this menu, like which is the worst UI ever, it's still trying to install the game, even though it's not telling me any information. Oh, so it was that feature where it lets you start playing the game while it's still downloading and it just hadn't downloaded enough of it? It downloaded tw like, what was it? Eight gigs of information, but wasn't all of it. And then, so that's under the hood, and I'm sitting there thinking my game is broken. And I have to put the blame here on Sony. This is a really crappy experience. And Sony, when it comes to PlayStation Network, I'm tired of, I'm tired of your crap. Like, you got my, I literally had an email sent to me, like, yesterday talking about your poor charging practices because there's a class action lawsuit against you. You know, your credit card, you don't protect my credit card data. That was stolen a couple of years ago. You got hacked two years ago. You didn't do anything about it. It happened again this Christmas. I was the point where PlayStation Network becomes a decent product. And, you know, like, I know that coming into this generation, Sony got all the love. I just tell you, Microsoft is putting out a drastically better product. The network is better. The interface is better. It's less buggy. I can tell you on the developer side, they're nicer and easier to work with. You look at Windows 10, and they've got a vision with that awesome press conference yesterday. What did Sony have coming out of CES? Like a $1,200 Walkman to like plays it like it's the chunkiest thing from the 80s you've ever seen and it plays lossless music 
I, I can't keep supporting Sony. I think, like, the games that they bring to PlayStation Vita are horrible and sexist. Like, they bring some really weird Japanese, jiggly, perverted games over to that platform. They don't have many women working with the Vita team at all. And I'm just, I'm kind of done with Sony at this point. So, Brie, I would take it that you're feeling ambivalent towards Sony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, I, I tried. I mean, I bought Persona 4 Golden on your recommendation. I haven't started it yet, but I bought that. And that's like a three and a half gig download. And that took me like no joke a week to download just because it would download like 100 megs and then the Vita would go to sleep and it would just stop downloading. Yep. And then I'd, I'd load up my I'd open up the Vita expecting it to be there. And it's like, OK, well, I guess I'm going to have to sit here and keep tapping on the screen until the thing downloads because I'm going to have to babysit it because that's the only way this game is actually going to end up on my Vita. So yeah, that's a, that's a bug in the Vita. I've experienced the same thing where it will go to sleep. It shuts your Wi-Fi connection off. Well, that is kind of stupid guys from an engineering point of view. That's just lazy and bad. And you're going to like update my firmware every like three weeks. So like whatever hacking thing is going to go on, like people aren't going to hack it. So you're inconvenience me as a consumer where I have no faith. If I pick up my Vita, I'm actually going to be able to play it in less than like a week after downloading all your stupid patches. But you don't respect me enough as a consumer to go through and actually work the UI and the system so I can freaking use it. And it's just crap at this point. Sony is doing the worst work, period. Nintendo is coming out. They're making one of the most innovative products in the in the entire industry with the Wii U. I love the Wii U. You can look at the Xbox One. It's got a vision. And then you look at Sony. It's the same old, same old crap. And I just, anytime I have an option from now on, I'm going to buy the game for my Xbox. Like, I think it'll work. Sorry, I don't mean to give you guys such a negative aim. I was really pissed off about I guess that. the only thing is that at least I got a charger in the box with my Vita. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> sorry, I had to go there. I, I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. I, I pay a ton of money for PlayStation Plus. I mean, that is allegedly, like, the way they they talk about it is that's funding the back end so they can, you know, have matchmaking online. Can you freaking, like, use some of that money to, like, make the PlayStation Network have a solid enough backbone so I can, I can actually download the games I'm paying you for? It's inexcusable. I mean, when yeah. they were hacked over Christmas and, and Xbox was hacked, too, and we didn't talk about it because we didn't record right after that, the DDoS... Would lasted for like two days and then it was done and it took them a ridiculous amount of time to come back from that and they're still not a hundred percent back from that. A DDoS does not cripple your network for that long without something else going on, and it's like they just need to be upfront with it at this point. Like they're giving out like a ten percent off coupon this weekend if you buy something from the PSN uh, that you'll probably be after you hear this on the podcast will probably be. Uh, you know have passed but it's like okay so you get five free days of playstation plus in the 10 percent off coupon one of the people who i work with bought a playstation 4 over christmas and it took him literally two weeks of trying to get just to set up a psn id and that was only once he finally moved the playstation into the same room as the router and hardwired it into the playstation and it's like, I don't know what they're doing over there, but they need to get some more people to fix it and fix it fast because it, this was, you know, less acceptable when they weren't 
making PlayStation Plus mandatory for playing online. And now that it is, and they have a lot more people paying for it, they really need to fix this and fast. Yeah. So was Saints Row good? <laughs> it's it's the same game. It's upraised a little bit. Uh, you know, the thing with Saints Row is the animation is always a little janky and volition mm-hmm. kind of. They 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 have a, a higher tolerance for bugs than the giant space cat team does. Uh, so you have like you have people flying in air a lot. It's a good game. I'm enjoying playing again. I don't think there's a lot of uh, innovation with Gat out of Hell, but uh, I love Kinsey so much. She's one of my favorite characters in all of video, like the entire pantheon of video games. She's frighteningly close to Amelia in Rev sixty, and I swear we had the recordings for Amelia before Kinsey came out in Saint three so i've been accused of stealing that character kinsey but we we actually were working on amelia way before her so um you can play as her in Gat out of hell and i it's it's cool it's just not the best i'm ready to see them move on would you recommend it for somebody who hasn't played it the played it the first time around absolutely okay absolutely maybe not Gat out of hell as much but santra four is a good game it's very good so maddie what are you playing this week Okay, so I'm playing some things I can't talk about, but next week I can talk about them, I guess. Uh, I'm going to be reviewing the Grim Fandango remaster oh, that's coming out, and so I have that, and I'm still waiting on My Life is Strange Code, but it's supposed to arrive today, uh, so I don't have that yet. But I've got Grim Fandango, but I can't talk about it because I have integrity. <laughs> anyway, what? so I... Screwed integrity. Like, I want to hear about Grim Fandango. No, in just between, kidding. <laughs> in between getting interviewed for this documentary and being on this show, I had about an hour of time, and I was like, "I want to play a video game. What video game can I play?" And I chose Counter Strike. Oh, I was, yeah. I was, I was afraid you were going to say Street Fighter, nope, and that was good. No I was just going to hang up the, spi- hang I was up the Skype not, call. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm going. I'm turning back the clock. I have not played Counter Strike in a really long time. And it felt so good to go back. I was like worried that I would be bad at it and that it wouldn't feel right and that I wouldn't remember anything. It was like just sliding into a warm bath. It was so awesome. And I killed a billion people in the face and I felt so powerful and so good. And I ran around and got headshots and felt like a million bucks. And then... And then I recorded the show. And that's why I feel so good, because I just killed a bunch of people virtually. I'm the most powerful woman in the world. Well, that's I true. always play as the Phoenix Connection, by the way. Phoenix Connection is the best model in that game. That's my opinion. <laughs> Other people can let me know. Is that a character like. model? I know literally nothing about Counter-Strike. Oh, I played really? it like once. Do you like want to know what it is? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it's a really old game, so it's like... I mean, I know what Counter-Strike is, but I don't know what... what you know, Phoenix Medallion um, is. Okay. Well, it's a mod. It's a very old mod to Half-Life that somebody made a long time ago. And uh, there are a lot of other variations on it uh, that have happened since then. And um, basically, it's a multiplayer shooter. And you can... I, I don't know how... It's like the multiplayer shooter. <laughs> It's, it's very like the realistic. multiplayer shooter yeah. that influenced every other multiplayer shooter, except that I would say that Counter-Strike, in spite of what I just said about feeling super powerful, that's only because I'm very familiar with Counter-Strike. 
I would say Counter-Strike, actually, the definition of it is that you do not feel powerful and that everybody is very equal and that there are, uh, in an ordinary match, uh, you have to spend extra money in order to get uh, armor or better equipment, but uh, ordinarily you don't start out with something that's very good and you can only get money from winning matches. So uh, you, you basically... If you aren't good at it, then then it can be very humiliating, I think, because unlike a Call of Duty or or perhaps Halo is a better example, you cannot recharge your health at all. Once you're dead, you got to go all the way back to a spawn point or, or wait until the end of the match, depending on the settings of the match. Uh, for, for many matches, uh, you, you have to wait all the way until the end and just watch the rest of the match. And, and your health, it, it doesn't go down right away. You can take a couple of hits, but you definitely can't take as many hits as you can in a Gears of War or a Halo. So I would say, I would say it's considered kind of old school in that way, because once you're dead, you're dead, usually. Uh, tonight I was playing uh, on a server where there was respawning so that was part of why i was like this feels awesome because i i kept being able to get back in the game um but that's that's sort of unorthodox uh and uh there's also one particular map called dust 2 that everybody still plays all the freaking time because it's considered like the map and at this point i would say that the way that i feel about dust 2 is probably like how Brie feels about Peggle or like some (laughs) (laughs) like like it is just like a meditative like I know every single part of the map I know where every corridor goes I know where to strafe around which box in order to get to the door without being hit I know where to jump etc and it's just like at that point Counter-Strike becomes a casual game because everybody knows exactly what they're doing. And Only they're just kind you of would doing... utter that sentence. Well, because it's like you just <laughs> sign in and you're like doing this Tai Chi with everybody and everybody's like moving around the map in their predetermined way and everybody already knows what they're doing. I don't know how to explain this to you. I, it's like everybody already knows the dance steps and you just kind of fall in and you're like, okay, we're all going to run to the bomb site. Who has the bomb? Okay, that guy's dead. We have to get the bomb. I'll get the bomb. And it's just like you become part of this hive mind. I don't know. It's amazing. I don't know. People who play Counter-Strike are going to know what I'm talking about and not think that I'm crazy. <laughs> Do I sound I don't crazy? think you're crazy. I think you're <laughs> hardcore is what I think. No, 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 no. I don't think it's that. I think it's just that it's something that I started playing with friends a very long time ago. So it taps them into sort of a nostalgic... Uh, familiarity for me i just find i find counter-strike so hardcore you know that i just i i'm trying to imagine like teenage maddie myers like playing that game to the point where you could get that good at it (laughs) no i would play with my friends and the kinds of stuff that we would do like we would we would also not, we wouldn't use cheats, but we would do unorthodox things like call each other on the phone, on the landline, and like tell each other where we were going to go in the oh game and then go there in the game <laughs> later. <laughs> like that kind of thing. Like just just old school video game playing together types of things or um, playing together in a LAN but going online. And so the four of us or five of us would all be oh, sitting around a table so we'd be able to communicate about where we were going. But, That's but nobody would feeling. know that. And so that was so great. Yeah, we used to do that with StarCraft when I was in college. 
Oh, yeah. I'm always trying to get people to do stuff like that again, but nobody will do it. You guys, let's have a LAN party. We let's should play do that. some Team Fortress 2 together. Let's do it. I'll do it. My problem with, with playing like multiplayer first-person shooters, because I tried Titanfall a few weeks ago, because for some reason I thought we were going to be talking about it in the Game of the Aww. Year show. And I got Aww. it like cheap. Sorry, Steve. And I played it, and that's that's all multiplayer. And mm-hmm. I've decided that multiplayer first person shooters for me is like playing Flappy Bird, where I'm playing, and then all of a sudden I'm dead, and I don't know why, and I got no feedback to tell me what the hell just happened, and then I just start Ooh. over again. So I, I don't even know how I, I. I mean, I think I'm just past the point where I'm too old where I could even get good at it. But and I don't <laughs> so think you're I really. It's like Groundhog Day for video games. Yeah, for you. it's just like uh, okay, I'm playing. Okay, now I'm dead, and, and it's like and, and <laughs> I'm up. I just, I'm up. And, and it's like I probably could get good at it if I really wanted to put the time in, but it's just like I have so many other things. Like I don't, I, I'm, yeah. I'm no, I'm not gonna be able to put in the time to get even like passable at it. So, yeah. Well, well getting old sucks. Is is the moral does. of that story? And I, yeah, I, I don't even know if I'm as fast as <laughs> Maddie, I was. Yes, it does. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm so old, you guys. No, but I I. I do think that I, my reflexes aren't as fast, and I worry about that all the time. Oh, just wait till you're 30, Maddie. Yeah. I know. It gets all downhill from there. It's, it's, yeah. it's over We're for all you. just going to have to start doing cocaine together at our <laughs> land party. Right? What does that have to do with it? Is that... Are we, are we going to drink Surge with our cocaine? Oh, God, Is there something I, I don't know about, about this getting old thing? Oh, I don't. I mean, apparently it's supposed to slow down your reflexes and make you worse at gaming. But not you, Georgia. You're still a cold-blooded killer. <laughs> You've actually gotten faster with age. You're like, you're like James Bond at this point. Like you're just. She's she's I'm, gonna be like which Gatsio, James Bond would I know? be though? She's like Liam Neeson in Taken. <laughs> I don't. Georgia's got a that. very special set of skills. Oh, yeah, that's another good example of, like, an aging badass. I There aren't any women who are aging badasses. I'm always complaining about the same things like, on this are show. Are you kidding me? Anyway. No, no, no. There was the, oh, I could I could name a ton of them. We could, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get sidetracked. Two. Okay, speaking of Terminator 2, Steve, <laughs> what are you were playing? you going to say Titanfall? Was that the only No, answer? no, no, that was, that was weeks ago. That wasn't this okay. week. But Trexels. Well, no, I did just download it, actually. Um, so... Uh, Maureen had a Tupperware party at the house a couple days ago, and my job when this happens is to herd the children into <laughs> a room and keep them out of harm's way. Keep so, them from stealing the Tupperware. Yeah, well, to keep them from, you know, eating all the food, basically. But <laughs> So I couldn't – normally my, my MO with this stuff is with the Wii U, but the Wii U is out in the living room, which is out in an open area. So all I had was the PS4, so I said, well, you know what? I've had Child of Light on the PS4 for months and we haven't played it. So we're working through the backlog and we're going to play it. So I, Maddie, I took your advice. I, I let my older daughter play as player one and I played as player two. And we had a blast. Aww. This is the first time. I mean, we tried. We started playing Earthbound a little bit, but it didn't go great. At, at her suggestion, we played that, not not mine. But, but she was definitely getting into it a lot. And it's a very good way to introduce kids to turn-based rpgs yeah i completely agree it, it, we put it on casual mode so she hasn't even you or know, if fit. not kids then someone who doesn't play very many of those <laughs> right right yeah. yeah and it you know you get to run around there's a little bit of puzzle platforming not much i you know i i showed her how to move the boxes around which is a, an essential skill for any video game basically it's really hard to not take over 
Hmm. and and be like this is what you need to do and just kind of like give her suggestions right. and point her in the direction like you know things that that we would take for granted i don't play a ton of, of turn-based rpgs but you know things that i would take for granted like if you have more than one party character you want to have them all concentrating on one enemy to try to take them out so you're not getting attacked as much and you know i'm like well you probably want to do that oh well you just attack the other one that's okay and, yeah. And, yeah. and you know well you may want to save your spells because you don't know what you need them or you can just use starlight over and over again until you run out of mp that's okay so <laughs> <laughs> so i'm just kind of letting her you know make those mistakes and i figure that you know it's not a, it's not a huge big deal and we can always correct or we can always start over if we really have to well i think that that's a great thing though that you're doing steve because i think that that's what a mistake that parents make no, I think that that's a great thing, though, about parenting, period, is that I think that we can often, like, overhelp our kids so much that they end up not learning the necessary skills and the thought process and to question their abilities. They need to make mistakes in order to grow, yeah. and I think that we're always trying to let them and want them to always succeed, but I think that learning not to fear failure and that it's about resilience and keeping at it and trying different things is really what we need to make those frontal lobes that are going to deal with decision-making and consequences. And so my hat's off to you for letting her just go at it and make a thousand mistakes and and enjoy and have fun and not stress about having to do it all right in the first shot. Yeah, and I, and I mean, I'm trying to, you know, tell her, give her suggestions, but if she doesn't do it, then, you know, whatever. And it's, yeah. and, and this is a, a good place for her to learn that she can make mistakes and then she can still bounce back from it, so. I don't, I don't understand, though. Like, if your genes are awesome enough and your kids are awesome enough, they don't make mistakes, right? <laughs> <laughs> You've met my children. They make plenty of mistakes. <laughs> Mistakes are where the magic happens. I like thinking that all the tantrums that I threw about not being able to win at Mario, but then going back to it because I didn't have any other games to play, caused me to be a better person today. I really well, like that's like all the time I spent with Battletoads and, and playing right. through those levels over and over again. Also, like not knowing where things were in Link's Awakening because everything's impossible to find in that stupid game. Go find the mermaid, whatever. It was not intuitive. Anyway, sorry. My childhood. <laughs> I think the game's pretty good. You know, I did notice the interesting decision that you brought up when we talked about this last time about making everything in rhyming verse. Yeah. That I, I think that actually helped. For kids, maybe. For adults, no. Yeah. Well, the one thing I was disappointed about is that there wasn't really enough voice acting because I feel like if you're going to do rhyming verse, it really needs to be spoken. And I think that if it was all spoken, it might be a little it might be better. And I and the intro is everything spoken and it kind of feels like the start of a fairy tale. And then you get into the actual game and it's just walls of text. And it's like, you know, my older daughter was able to, to pick it up and she was going through it. But the younger two really aren't at that reading level yet. So they, that was not as great. That was the only real complaint I had about mm -hmm. it. But I'm, you know, I'm excited about this game. And I think she's really liking it, even though she said it was a little scary. But she's getting through it, which is good. So I'm uh, I'm happy about that. So I, I'm I'm really I think if you have a kid who's just getting into RPGs, I think that's a really a really great choice. And you know the main character is a girl, so there you go, a girl with a sword. Yeah, she looks so cute and so awesome. I love her design. It's like the best part of the game is her design, honestly. Yeah, like there's a little animation every time that she picks up the sword and she kind of mm -hmm. like has to struggle with it because it's so heavy. And But it, it's it's not like, you know, like she can't do it. Just it, it's adorable, like seeing it's her struggle with a little cute. bit. And yeah. She, yeah, and she's a kid, which is like a great hero. I, I like 
when you get to play as a kid when you are a kid too that's always a oh, cool way yeah to... and there was that one spot where she she learns how to fly and then she's just flying through the air like my daughter was like over the moon at that point she's like <laughs> oh i get oh i get to fly i get to fly around yeah and... i mean just the way that they animate her hair blowing in the wind yeah and every, all of it it looks so cool i i mean i i really wish that i had liked the rhyming part more or that it just hadn't existed because like oh yeah it's an interesting i'm sure that if you are a kid then this is like the perfect game and i've been trying to remember to recommend it to people who occasionally ask me what what would be a good game for a kid to play yeah it's definitely going on my short list because people ask me that question all the time too for obvious reasons and that's Mm -hmm. definitely going on my short list of like you know my kid wants to play games what's the next thing to play with them like this is going on my short list for that cool so we just want to thank uh, all the people who tweeted, or at least some of the people who uh, who tweeted about us this week. Uh, Ultra Nerd, MAMPA, Celia Dieter, Midnight Mages, Nat Budin, FaithX5, um, Ty Ty Sanchez, The Big Bozzy, Valkyrie Risen, Crater217, Dimwell, uh, Totes My Name, Retro Combine, and everybody else who tweeted about the show. There was... Uh, you know, like 30 or 40 of you all told, and we really do appreciate you telling other people uh, about the show and, and passing it on to friends. Uh, my favorite thing to see is uh, on the Twitter feed is when somebody's like recommending our show to somebody else who's looking for new podcasts to listen to. That's like the best. Yeah, it really means a lot to me too. Yeah. I, I yeah. When you do that, I look at you and I go... We're kind of friends. Like I don't, I don't know you, but You're you okay. like my show. We you should seem hang out cool sometime. though, whoever yeah. you are. Yeah. Thanks for endorsing our work. And and we also do appreciate everyone who rates and reviews the show on iTunes. Um, that that definitely helps us out a lot, especially if uh, you know a bunch of you do that all at the same time. That helps out a lot more because that kind of gets iTunes attention and bumps us up a little bit. So thank you for doing that as well. You can find the show notes for this show and every show at 5x5.tv slash isometric or at isometricshow.com. You can send us email uh, feedback via email to feedback at isometricshow.com. And you can follow all of us on Twitter. The show's account is at isometricshow. I am at Wicked Good. And Brie, where can people find you? Getting into a public kerfluffle with Adam Baldwin, which is what I'm doing literally right now as this show is recording right now. We're going at it. So it's awesome. So yeah, uh, Adam Baldwin, who went after me personally and my friend Zoe over Gamergate and spread vicious lies and invective about her. Uh, He was invited to a uh, a, a basically a geek event in Australia and uh, basically a bunch of people are trying to get him kicked out and I find myself in the news once again uh, being kind of at the center of getting him kicked out. So uh, while we were recording the show, they responded to it or at least I found out about it and uh, they are talking about getting rid of him. So I'm excited about that. I hope it happens. And uh, where can people find those those tweets at Adam Baldwin? Oh, yeah. All the angry tweets at Adam Baldwin are at my Twitter account, which is Space Cat Gal. Space, like outer space, cat, K-A-T, and G-A-L. Oh, also, my Twitter account today, this is really big news. So the Shorty Awards are basically, uh, it's the Academy Awards of social media, as ridiculous as that sounds. But there, there, are, <laughs> there are awards for social media, which makes sense because, you know, Twitter really affects our lives. Um, and today I was nominated, you know, in this major event to have uh, one of three, I was one of three nominees to have the most awesome Twitter in the entire game industry. So oh, awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, so you guys yeah. really, Super there's a cool. really big uh, event Can in we New vote York. or... 
I don't know how it works. Uh, I think they're taking three other nominees for the for the thing. But um, yeah, there's a huge ceremony down in New York and a lot of wow. networking. Like I looked into it. This is this is a big deal for me. Awesome. Um, it will certainly give me a bigger platform. And you know, during the event show, no matter what, I'll have a great opportunity to network. So, but you know, if you are on Twitter, you should follow me because like people with taste say my Twitter is entertaining. <laughs> so. <laughs> Brie getting a shorty is just like that's they should call it something else when you're <laughs> oh, before, also before before we wrap up further uh charles a tan has tallied up uh the yeah results i'm wearing of, the panda hat yeah maddie, maddie has lost the yes no maybe I knew, uh, that I, would. I knew that i would have to wear it we should make we sh- what we should do is, is i think it's gonna uh, look really good it. on me I don't know I what it looks look like, but we should we should all wear it for some of it because I, I have to see Steve in it. Yeah. But, I'm excited uh, to find it. an outfit that would go with a panda hat. Oh, yeah. It's panda suit hat. would go with a panda hat. <laughs> yeah, or like, I don't know, some sort of panda thematic. I'll come up with something. Anyway, so where, where can people find you on Twitter, Maddie? <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> they can find me on Twitter at Samus Clone. And don't forget to watch Samus and Sagat, okay? I linked to it on my Twitter like a million times. So if you're already going there to follow me, you may as well scroll down a little and click watch on that YouTube video. I go watch it as soon as the show is over. You should just put it on your profile. <laughs> Make it your pin tweet or something. I could do that. But that, but then I wouldn't be able to have what my current pin tweet is, which is like my favorite column I've ever written. So many things. Pin tweets. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and Georgia, where can people find you? You can find me on iMore. And of course, on Twitter, it's at Georgia underscore Dow. So uh, thank you, as always, for listening, and we will catch you next week. Have a good one. What's crack a slacking? Uh. <laughs> yeah. We finished so early. I know. That was well, so great. Hang on. Before before we wrap up, I have I have after dark business to talk to you about. Oh. Because I am getting on a plane and I am playing a Final Fantasy game and I need to know which one to play. Whatever you say I will go with. I have not played anything since the first one. Final Fantasy six. Six? Yep. Okay, because I can get that on sale if assuming that the PSM will let me download it. Uh, <laughs> okay, so six is I the best know. one. Seven's really good too. Seven is way overrated. I yeah, I would say seven is like the most culturally relevant one. Like if you want to understand what everybody's been talking about for your entire life, that's, then that's, then seven that is a good. Really good one. They're both um, like all Final Fantasies are good. Like really, it's hard to get. It's not like the Star Trek films. Yeah, Final Fantasy three wasn't very good. In my I would opinion. say the early ones you can yeah. you can well leave behind. But six yeah. six and up, you're you're good. I think. Okay, so I should get six and play it. You think so? Well, I mean, do you like the thing is like the cinematics and the music for seven are going to be much stronger. Let me ask you this. Um, How much do you like horrible racist stereotypes? Um, Not very much. Hmm. Well, seven. (laughs) Well, you're not going to like Final Fantasy. I'm just kidding. I would I would try. I would go. I'm still saying like like you should play seven just because if you're going to play one. Yeah. Seven, you're going to get. Okay. Kind of a little bit of everything. So I should, I should buy six, but I should play seven, seven on the plane is what you're telling yeah, me? Yeah, you should do both. Okay. Can I just warn do you, both. though, that like seven, I don't know if it, 
People are going to be mad at me. Um, I don't know if it has aged well at all. I like, don't think it has. There are a yeah. lot of mini games and not intuitive order to the game that you have to get through and just things that have to be gotten through that are not interesting or not the most interesting part of the game. So I I don't know. I, I feel like you would have to play yeah. it imagining yeah. that you were younger. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, I have no problem with like downloading a fact and keeping it like on my phone. If you go back and play an old Pokemon game, you're like, wow, they really made you do a bunch of boring stuff. <laughs> and when I was a kid, it was okay, but now it's really boring. I feel like seven, you might run into that. I, I feel like I, I I feel like eight has aged in that way where you can tolerate it. The thing is, for the overworld in seven, they went with these chibi, extremely low poly models, and it's very it's very jarring because in all the FMV cutscenes, you have these kind of adult, cool looking, like well produced cutscenes, and then in the battle, you get those same proportions, but then. The rest of the time, you're watching these characters act out things with text on screen, and it's like a 50-poly thing, and it's just really crude, and it it personally pulls me out of it. I think the the Materia system holds up, and the story you know, is one of the most beloved in all Final Fantasy for a reason. Um, But I think 8 is a game with a lot of depth. I think even today, it's still a very innovative system there's uh, like some really groundbreaking things in that the reason i say six is i think i think six is a very very good story it's about it you is know, probably the best story yeah it's it's, it's really, really good. good story and it, and because it's so cute looking yeah. it'll still hold up well i i'm you know what it's true if i think about the storyline and my enjoyment of going through it maybe six would, would be okay let oh. me put it this way which one would you rather talk about in in like a month or whatever when i finally play through this thing six okay. do six do six. I, six I can talk about any final Fantasy i know you can but, yeah. but yeah i know. can really yeah. go either way and yeah I, yeah so don't don't make it up to that we we would find stuff to say regardless yeah okay georgia what's your favorite final fantasy have you played eight oh oh i don't know i don't know i have a lot of really warm memories with all of them even with tactics like i really even with tactics yeah yeah and and my husband has it for his wake-up music he has the iconic final fantasy i'm not gonna i was gonna try to do yes thank you that's it that is it for our wake-up music so i listen to that as a wake-up every morning and it's not like those stressful yeah it just makes me happy i don't know I don't know. Six gives me warm memories just because of my time of life and going everything and and just the the movement around. Uh, that was really warm. And tactics was just fun because I played that game just on its own and I really got to enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I did like tactics a lot based on Bree's recommendation, which is why I'm I'm inclined to try another one. And that's why I want, you know, it's very different, though. I, oh, yeah. I know. I yeah. know it's completely okay. different. I, I'm not. I, you know, I mean, I played the first. The only one I've played is the first one for the NES. Sevens. I like them. I don't know. I've. I've. I think seven. I'll is even like the old ones. Like, like if we can go to like three, I'm like I like a lot of the. Final Do you like Fantasy. Final Fantasy three? Really? I I played them all. I just enjoyed. It, it was a time for me. There weren't a lot of role playing games. Like if we talk about like Lufia and Chronos Trigger, which is probably one of my favorite. I've probably played Lufia and Chronos Trigger. I played every single ending on Chronos Trigger that you could play. There was like. Eight, yeah. I just loved role playing game um, RPGs. 
Because Final Fantasy three didn't, you know, it, it didn't come out, or at least I didn't play into the States until I was like, what, 20, 26 or so? You know, it was like going backwards. And I mean, the, the, the antagonist Cloud of Darkness is one of my very favorite, you know, villains in all of Square history. But I felt at that point it had become so dated, like that was post-tactics for me. And I just, I thought the, you could see where they're going with the series, with the added sophistication, but I just, I didn't enjoy it. So I don't know. To me, that's the weakest one. Maddie, do you have any thoughts? Um, I mean, for me, it's like a similar answer because I, I'm slightly younger than you guys. But so for me, like the first ones that mattered were 10 and 10 too, because that was the right age for me to be. But I think that if I were a little bit older, then I would be like other people I know for whom seven and eight and nine were really emotionally important. So I, I feel like this is a question that it it's like a question where you just actually are asking somebody how old they are. It's like, <laughs> do you want to, do you want to like covertly figure out how old a gamer is? Ask them what their final fantasy, favorite final fantasy game is. Um, but I, I don't know if that's really true, but it's a pretty good joke. Uh, if I do say so myself, I'm hilarious <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So those are, those are the ones I have a soft spot for. And then as an adult, I had to go back and play the other ones. And that meant that I was going from versions of final fantasy that were, very graphically complex because if you start with something like 10 and 10 2 and then you go back then you're like oh these are very retro games doesn't mean i don't see the appeal still but i i it was sort of more like oh okay if i had been playing these in middle school or something then i probably would have enjoyed them more but sadly i i missed the boat on that until high school so yeah, I mean, I don't care about the graphics as much. I mean, for God's sake, I play desert golfing, but, you know, it's... Yeah, but it's more, I would say less the graphics, but more like the trappings of an RPG that I've talked about on the show before about how playing Pokemon as a kid was really fun for me, but I don't think I yeah. could do it now. Yeah. No, no, I, I know what you mean, because I went back and tried to play Kingdom Hearts again, and that was... Oof, yeah. That's, that's rough. I really liked those, though. I loved, <laughs> I loved Kingdom Hearts way back when. I had no idea who any of the Final Fantasy characters were at all. Oh, oh wow, okay. I feel like that was, like, how I started to like a lot of those characters. Was... Yeah, I mean, I got it for, purely for Disney at the time, and I had no idea who any of the Final Fantasy characters were, and I loved that game, and, and I tried to play the remaster, and it's like, oh, this, I, I can't do this again. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, they hold up if you still have the nostalgia for them. But without that, I'm just not sure that a modern audience would want to go through all the mini games. Anyway, good luck. Good luck with this. So I guess I'll try seven then and I'll see how that goes. Are you able to play games while you're in line at Disney? Because I always pack my Vita and play a ton. Yeah, not really, because I need to wrangle the kids. Oh, yeah, it seems like kids could really get in the way of enjoying Disney. They they kind of do. Opinion. They kind of <laughs> do. Yeah. Have you considered going alone? <laughs> it's there. We we may have an opportunity. My parents watch them and us like go for an evening, Ooh. but that doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't really happen all that much. But yeah, I was kidding. I didn't think that was actually something you would be able to do. <laughs> no, that is actually legitimately something that's that's potentially possible. It's a matter oh. of whether you know that would actually happen or not is another story. But I've never been to Disney. <gasps> oh my okay, god there's something really wrong I'm sorry you oh monster okay i want to go okay. i just i don't know it, yeah it's expensive though yeah it, it I know. is expensive but not that come expensive on. it's the happiest place on earth oh i know i spent i mean we we buy these tickets every other year we buy annual passes and we go down twice because my parents are down there 
uh, during the winter. And so I know exactly how much it costs. I'm going to go. You should go It's one of the once. things in my life that it's like on my bucket list. Honestly, as an adult without kids, it's actually a lot oh, of fun. it's so good. It really is a lot of fun. That is my default state. So yes. that doesn't sound like it's going to be a problem for me. <laughs> I don't know. I love it every year. Like we, re- I really look forward to it because Boston is miserable and horrible. And I was thinking just yesterday how deeply I understood why the pilgrims here would have died without the Indians' help. And, you know, it's just a terrible place. I've had that and thought, too, actually. It's a terrible place that no one should live ever under any circumstances, which is why I always look forward to Disney. It's my reward for living in Boston with Red Sox fans and Patriot fans, as terrible as they are, and they're cheating and like i look forward to like leaving and going down to disney and just being out in sunlight where a human can stand in actual outdoors without feeling sad and miserable well i guess and- it depends on what year what time of year you go though because if you go in may or in in the summer you stand outdoors and you want to melt Steve, Steve, Steve Lubitz. I grew up in Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You grew okay? up in the South. You have more tolerance than I do. I grew up in Mississippi, and I can stand outside on a 105-degree day and barely blink, okay? <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, yeah, the warmer it is, the happier I am. I'm like, I'm sweating. I feel alive. This is this is <laughs> awesome. You know, this is why I want GSX to finally approve my plan to relocate us to Bermuda, which would be a much better place to live. Save a lot opinion. on taxes. Yeah, exactly. And you get to golf. So. Well, I'm just excited to go to the Japan Pavilion and buy more Pokemon. So you've got it. You have to look for loot <laughs> at the Japan Pavilion. I will. Like... I will. I will text you guys pictures. You can tell me. I will bring stuff back for you. Oh yes, Steve. I just did a meta study at five different sites, and uh, four out of the five sites say six. If you have to choose between the two, okay, six I'll... over seven. Just saying. I'll do six. Just saying. Though the music from seven, you should listen to just like just. Yeah, like whatever. Yeah, I'll I have play it downloaded. It next I can show. just start it up and listen to it. <laughs> there we go. All right. So I will. I will play six, and I will play six. <laughs> do it. Do Not it. Great. Enough. I will spare okay. everyone. Yeah. All right. So six it is. Then I will do six. So are you are you okay with okay. rooting for a team that cheated to get to the Super Bowl? Steve? Uh, we're 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 really going to turn this into a sports we show. We are. We are. I've got to ask you. I feel like there's a lot to say about Deflate Gate, and we haven't addressed it on the show. <laughs> yeah, at all. especially I mean, being a we Boston could have been, team. We could have been making horrible ball puns this entire time. I, I mean, I think that that's on the league to make sure that they <laughs> are that. I mean, if they're not, I don't know that the league is doing what they're supposed to be doing. I like how you're giving a real answer. What's happening right now? <laughs> Steve, you know we don't know anything about this, right? I don't know anything about Deflategate. I just know Patriots are highly correlated with Red Sox fan, who my husband hates, so I hate. So I don't, I don't know anything. I don't even know who else is playing in the Super Bowl. I know I'm not Deflategate sure if it has to do with, with yeah. mechanics on Resident Evil. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia wins the podcast. <laughs> Georgia wins. Oh.